Okay. So uh, what we're doing in the training time is going through uh, the membership vows. Uh, we told some of you that are, aren't familiar with the PCA that when you join a PCA church, <clears throat> there are five vows that you take to the church. They're basically professions that you're making, uh, commitments that you're making. We went over the, f- the first two of those vows last time we were together. I'll read them for you very briefly at the top of the page. It says, do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, except in his sovereign mercy? And the second one is, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? That leads us to the third one. All right, And the third one uh, must be interpreted with the first two. That's what we're going to talk about today and next time we're together. We're going to go over the third one for two weeks. Um, It says this, Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Jesus Christ? Okay. Um, I want to read for you a little short passage uh, before we begin today um, from Romans chapter 8. Some of you have read this before, uh, but I'm going to read Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 28. All right? It says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. All right. So what Paul teaches us, uh, among many things in this little short passage, is that uh, your spiritual life, uh, what God has done in your life, your salvation, maybe the best way to say it, is a string of events, a string of activity that God has accomplished in your life from beginning to end. And what I want to do today is to talk about that just a little bit because it's going to help you understand the third vow. The third vow is talking about how you live, like how you're going to commit yourself to being, to use a very poor way to say it, good. Okay, you're going to seek to live good. You're going to seek to be good, to do what is right, to do what is true and appropriate and good for a Christian. I'm going to explain more about what that means and how we get there mostly next week. But today I want to differentiate between the first three vows and help you to understand them a little bit better. So I can walk around? Yes, okay, awesome. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw a little bit on the board for you. I used to be a high school teacher in my previous life, and so I like doing this. So I want to pre-apologize for how awful my handwriting is. Okay, just go ahead and do that. Um, So um, first consideration you see on your little paper here. Um, Vow number three is impossible without, without answering vows number one and two first. In other words, you've got to believe, you've got to believe what we call uh, justification. You've got to be justified by God in order to be able to live a holy life, which is sanctification. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about those two terms by drawing a little bit for you. Okay, so let's just say this is a timeline of, of uh, you know, the past to the future, all right? And I'm going to use you as an individual in this demonstration, Okay. At some point in this timeline, uh, you were born. All right? Fair enough? Okay. And then at some point after your birth, and you're living, at some point after your birth, 
I think most of you, maybe not all of you, but I think most of you came to a point where you said, um, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ, okay? I would like to follow him, to be a disciple, to be a Christian, okay? At some point, this happens in your life, okay? Now, and I'll demonstrate that with this mark, okay? The first thing that we have to understand, I'm not gonna, there's a lot more to this than what I'm gonna tell you today. I'm mainly talking about the two issues with the vows. But the first thing you have to understand is that when that happened and you said, I'm gonna follow Jesus, I, I'm gonna live a life, a different life. I wanna be committed to God. When that happened, that was an act from heaven. God did that in your life, okay? And the scriptures talk about that as an act of justification, that God at this moment in your life Whenever this happened, God justified you, all right? I'm gonna explain what that means in just a minute, all right? Now, let's just say this is the moment you're converted, you become a Christian, okay? You're justified, all right? Um, And then down here, you die at some point. None of that's happened yet, right? So the question is, is what happens between here and here in your life? What's going on? Um. And the answer is, there's another word. If this is your justification, I'll put J-U-S-T, then this is what the Bible calls your sanctification, okay? Justification is a one-time event, a moment in history in which God declares you not guilty. I'm gonna explain that a little bit more in a minute. Sanctification is a process by which God over time is making you more and more like Jesus and less and less like you used to be. Okay? The old part of you is dying. The new part of you, the regenerated, converted, justified part of you is growing. Okay? And you are becoming healthier in a sense, or you're, becoming, uh, you're abiding more deeply in Jesus and you're being changed and becoming more like him over time. So these are the two events, justification and sanctification. I want to talk a little bit about them today, very briefly, um, and help you understand them in light of the questions. The first two questions, by the way, are about justification. The third question is about sanctification, all right? So I want to talk to you about the difference today. Um, uh, I want you to, if you have a Bible, to open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll write it up here, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. This is one verse. Uh, It's been called the gospel in a nutshell. I think it's better called justification in a nutshell because the gospel is more than just justification, all right? So 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Um, and it's, it's also written in your bulletin, in the little sheet I gave you, I think, here. Um, yeah, Second Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, I'm going to set this up for you. Um, this is a human being, all right? And what do we know is true about every human being that's really ever existed other than Jesus. How would we describe them? They're sinners, okay? I'm gonna write that right here, sinners, okay? And um, what does sin deserve? The wages of sin is death, all right? So death is what they deserve, okay? And I'm gonna add to that hell, right? The wrath of God poured out on sin. That's what sin deserves. So this is true of every human being that's ever existed except for one. And who is that? Jesus. All right, I'm going to put him over here. All right. 
Here's Jesus. I'll give him a beard so that you can tell the difference. Okay. Now, if sinner, if, if what's true about every human being is that they're a sinner, what's true about Jesus? Is Jesus a sinner? No. Jesus is, how would we describe him? Righteous. That's a great word. Okay. Righteous. You might want to say perfect. Okay. He's perfect moral. All right. And what is, uh, in the same way that sinners deserve death and hell, what does a righteous person, a truly perfect person, righteously deserve? There you go. Eternal life. Okay? Eternal life is what the righteous person deserves. And that's what, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. He is righteous. He's always had an eternity with the Father, right? He's always had this perfect relationship with him. He has lived true life, right? And 2 Corinthians 5.21 describes for us what happened that day you were walking around and you felt like, wait, something's changed inside of me, right? And that thing that happened was this. He who knew no sin, which one of these people knows no sin? Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us, right? So this, at some point in history, our sin was placed upon Jesus. He became sin for us, okay? He who knew no sin became sin for us. Where did that happen? What moment in time was our sin placed upon Jesus? Yeah, the cross, Okay, that's when it happened. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And what happened to Jesus on the cross? He died. And not only did he die, he suffered the wrath of the Father and went through hell on the cross. Okay? So he who knew no sin became sin for us, but that's only half the gospel. Read the rest of it. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So not only did our sin be placed upon Jesus on the cross and he died, but at that same moment, Jesus' righteousness was given to us on the cross. And so at that moment, not only did Jesus take our sin and die for it, but we took his righteousness, and what do we have? Eternal life. That's right. And because this happened, God looks at us, And he says, you're not guilty anymore. Your guilt is gone. You've been washed white as snow. Your sins has been cast as far as is the east from the west. I remember them no more. How can he remember them no more? Well, because they were placed on his son, not on us anymore. This is a picture of what we call justification. It's just as if you never sinned, right? That's the idea. Just as if you've never sinned, you have been made right with God because of the work of Jesus Christ. And there was a moment in your life, if you know Jesus today, uh, where you were justified. And this is that moment on the map, okay? But after this happens, we begin to live our lives as Christians, right? And we begin to live out what's called sanctification, which is not a one-time event where these sort of things happen, but it is a long-term process, Okay, let's look at the question again. The question says, um, do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as a follower of Christ? Okay, so what what sanctification is about is following Jesus. Okay, 
following him not only in terms of knowing him and relating to him, but also becoming like him over time. And the third vow is impossible without the first. Now, this is really the heart of what I want to talk to you about today. Which of these two things happens first, justification or sanctification? Which of them happens first, justification or sanctification? Justification. Justification happens first, then sanctification. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion to believe that? Every other major world religion believes that sanctification happens first, and then you're justified. That you have this process of really being good, and if you're good enough in the end, you're accepted by God. But Christianity says you're accepted by God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of that, you begin to live out your life in a particular way. That you begin to think about and live out a life of love in the name of Jesus Christ. So it's very important to understand the difference between those two things. The, first, the third vow is impossible without the first vows. Justification is the singular event where God declares us not guilty because of the work of Jesus. Um, and questions one and two are asking you to believe that. Sanctification is a process whereby we are being made less and less like our old sinful selves and more and more like Jesus in our character. Question three is asking you uh, if you believe that. So here are some implications. I'm going to talk to you just for a moment about some implications. Next week, we're going to do this again. We're going to talk about this same thing, but I'm going to talk about uh, what happens in here, like how this works in your life, how you're changed, how you begin to live more and more righteously and less and less sinfully. And of course, I think you probably have lots of questions about that because if you're anything like me, you don't feel like you're less sinful than you were uh, last year. <laughs> Maybe worse. 2020 made it was tough. Um, okay, so implications for the church. Of all the major world religions, Christianity is the only one that insists that justification precedes sanctification. It comes first. Justification uh, we are made right with God so that we may live this out. By the way, there are events in Scripture, we've talked about them, that demonstrate this, right? Remember, uh, the greatest act of salvation in the Old, this was the greatest act of salvation in the New Testament. What's the greatest act of salvation in the Old Testament? The Exodus, right? Remember, uh, uh, Moses led his people out of Egypt. God parted the Red Sea and like a million people walked through. You remember this? Greatest act of salvation. They come out on the other side after this act of salvation, after God saves them, and what does God give them? The Ten Commandments. He takes them to a mountain and gives them the Ten Commandments. He's saying, in a sense, I've saved you. Now, this is what it means to live that out in your life. Once again, justification leads to sanctification. That's the idea. <clears throat> um, all right, uh, second implication. Because earning is our default position in religion, and particularly American culture, uh, we must work together as a church to keep our focus on Jesus' work rather than our own. The emphasis in our worship, fellowship, communion, obedience, and discipleship must be on Jesus and his gospel of grace. And I want to say an aside here, this is pretty important, all right? Our emphasis on abiding is only possible because God has first united himself to us. If God, were not to have, if God were not to have done this and justified us and taken us for himself and said, I'm going to make you beautiful again, uh, we would not want to join in that process. And that's really what we're going to get at next week is that this process is not just God unilaterally doing something in your life, but you participate. 
and what that begins to look like in our lives. Um, so our emphasis on abiding is possible only because Jesus has first united himself to us. And we would never want to abide in Jesus if he had not first abided in us. You would just not want to do that. Um, <clears throat> lastly, if you look at the vow again, at the very end, it says that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ. Notice that this vow does not require perfection. This vow does not require your life to be pristine. This vow does not require you to have a resume. Okay? All this vow requires is that you follow. That's really what it's about, is following Jesus. I told you a long time ago in some of our training, I think it might have been when we talked a little bit about some of the John Michael, John Mark Comer stuff on discipleship that he wrote about being an apprentice, that one of the things that Comer says is that in the New Testament, the moniker or the name Christian is usually negative, that it was a name given by outsiders about people who follow Jesus to mock them, the people that are Christ-likers, you know, they're like him. It was, a, it was really a, a name of mockery. The predominant term used in the New Testament to talk about people uh, of faith are followers or disciples. That's the primary tech terms that Jesus uses, that you are a follower of his. Um, and so <clears throat> one of the things I want us to do as a church is to begin to think of ourselves more in terms of being disciples, even than thinking of ourselves as Christians. That term is being co-opted in a thousand ways today. But we are followers of Jesus today. Um, and that's really what the, 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 uh, this particular vow is asking you to do, is to follow. And notice also, the following emphasizes humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit. So following Jesus means being sensitive to the Spirit, uh, praying, asking God what he's doing in your life right now, seeking to, to navigate your life with him involved. You know, that's really the picture of what we're getting at here. I'll also add to this is that it's easy to read this vow and to think about it in terms of trying to be good. Um, and I think <laughs> one of the primary ways, I can tell you this for some of the people in this room that are my good friends, one of the primary ways that we keep this vow is by asking for forgiveness, right? Is by consistently asking other people and God to forgive us for our sins. Um, that we are a people uh, who readily admit that we need uh, forgiveness and mercy. So, all right, any questions about justification and sanctification before we move uh, to our prayer time today? And this is brief, but I'm doing it in little chunks. Anyone? Not unusual. Okay, so what I'd like for you to do is if you will divide up into some smaller groups, if you can, can try to mix it up. Uh, around people that you don't know. Um, and there are two prayer requests that I'd like you to pray about today. One is that we will remember and trust in Jesus' work each day over our own work. And second, that we would have a sensitivity to the Spirit's work in our lives and follow him in the days ahead. Okay? All right, let me pray for us and then I'll let you pray. Uh, Father, thanks again for letting us have this short time to think a little bit about what it means uh, to be a part of the church. Uh, I pray that uh, we would be a family who really does believe in your work principally in our life, first and foremost, and out of what you've done in us, we will live that out in the way we treat our neighbors, our spouses, our children, our parents, all those around us, that we want to live that out because of what you've done for us. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.